Chapter Twenty Three of Miss Marchbanks. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Miss Marchbanks by Mrs. Oliphant. Chapter Twenty Three. The archdeacon returned to Carlingford before Thursday as he had anticipated but in the interval mr cavendish had not recovered his courage so far as to renew his visit to miss marchbanks or to face the man who had alarmed him so much everybody in grange lane remarked at the time how worried poor mrs woodburn looked her eyes lost their brightness which some people thought was the only beauty she had and her nerves and her temper both failed her no one could tell why the personal sketches she made at this moment were truculent and bitter to an unheard-of degree she took off mr beverley with a savage force which electrified her audience and put words into his mouth which everybody admitted were exactly like him if he could ever be imagined to have fallen into the extraordinary circumstances in which the mimic placed him in short mrs woodburn made a little drama out of the archdeacon she brought him into personal contact with an offensive stranger and made the most elaborate study of his dignified indignation his growing wrath and the final sublime manifestation of physical force with which he overcame his enemy i hope i have not given up my manhood by becoming a priest mrs woodburn's hero said in the archdeacon's very voice a gentleman should surely know how to use his natural weapons as well as a coal-heaver it is one way of getting one's self in sympathy with one's fellow-creatures to be sure mr beverley knew nothing about this and showed some surprise now and then at the restrained laughter which he heard in the corners but when anybody spoke of mrs woodburn he showed an instinctive want of confidence i have not studied her sufficiently to give an opinion of her he said which was certainly the very reverse of her deliverance upon him to tell the truth she had rather studied him too much and gave too keen an edge to his characteristic qualities as is natural to all literary portraiture and even went so far that in the end people began to ask whether she had any personal spite against him she don't know him mr woodburn said when he heard some faint echo of this suggestion she is clever and it carries her away you know she enters into it so she don't know how far she is going but i can answer for it she never saw the archdeacon before and hal isn't here to give her the keynote as she says he has met everybody i believe one place or another the simple man said with little natural pride for in his heart he was vain of his fashionable brother-in-law as for mr cavendish himself it began to be understood that he was with a friend who was sick on the continent and soon for news had a wonderful tendency to increase and grow bigger as it spread in grange lane that his friend was dying and that a probable large increase of fortune to the popular favourite would be the result which was very well as an addition and did credit to the imagination of carlingford he had disappeared completely once more after the eventful day which we have described carrying out in the fullest way lucilla's prediction but striking barbara lake with bitter disappointment miss marchbanks had a great many things to occupy her but barbara had nothing except the humble duty of looking after her little brothers and sisters and attending to her father's comfort 
which had never been occupations particularly to her mind and then barbara was aware that if she neglected her duties rose on her return from the school of design would do them though with a fierce little outbreak of indignation which the elder sister felt she could bear and accordingly barbara did little else but brood over his sudden disappearance and spent her time at the window looking for his return naturally lucilla conducted herself in a much more rational and dignified manner she made herself very agreeable to the archdeacon who unbended very much and grew very nice as mrs chiley herself allowed but my dear i am uneasy about his opinions the old lady said he certainly had a very free way of talking and was ready to discuss anything and was not approved of by mr bury but still he had a very good connections and a nice position and had always a chance of being bishop of carlingford and in marriage it is well known that one never can have everything one wants so that on the whole even mrs chiley did not see what difference his opinions made so far as lucilla was concerned when miss marchbanks went down to colonel chiley's in the evening and made tea for the old people like a daughter of the house mr beverley was always disposed to go over to the enemy as the old colonel said no doubt he had enough of colonel chiley who had not received a new idea into his mind since the battle of waterloo and did not see what people had to do with such nonsense and then the archdeacon would very often walk home with the young visitor in all this time as was natural mr beverley heard mr cavendish's name a hundred times and regretted like all the world that so eminent a member of the carlingford commonwealth should be absent during the time of his visit but at the same time lucilla took great care to avoid all personalities and kept a discreet silence even about the gifts and accomplishments of her almost lover mrs chiley sighed poor soul when she saw how her young friend avoided this subject and thought sometimes that he was forgotten sometimes that the poor dear was breaking her heart for him but it is needless to say that neither of these suppositions was in the least true and then it began to be considered rather odd in carlingford that the archdeacon should pay such a long visit mrs chiley no doubt was very kind and hospitable and exceedingly glad to receive such a distinguished clergyman but when a man has been six weeks in any one's house and shows no inclination of going it is natural that people should feel a little surprised his visitation was over and he had dined with everybody and studied the place and its characteristics and entered into everything that was going on the only thing indeed that he did not seem to think of was going away if it had been mr cavendish the chances are that he would have made himself so much one of the family that his departure would have been felt as a domestic calamity but the archdeacon as was to be expected was very different from mr cavendish so long as he was in the house it was impossible to forget either his position or his ways of thinking or the absence of any real connection between himself and his hosts he did not combat or contradict anybody but he would give a faint smile when the colonel uttered his old-fashioned sentiments which drove the old soldier frantic as if i was not able to form an opinion by jove colonel chiley said while on the other hand the archdeacon was quite ready to enter into the young people's absurd theories and discuss the very bible itself as if that were the book to be discussed as for the rector he turned his head away when he passed colonel chiley's door 
and Miss Berry made visits of condolence and sympathy. You must feel it a great responsibility having Mr. Beverley with you, the rector's sister would say, though naturally, without any distinct explanation of her meaning, and then she would look at Mrs. Chiley and sigh. Oh, I am sure it is a great pleasure, Mrs. Chiley answered, not willing to let down the prestige of her guest. He's very nice, and takes a great deal of interest in everything. And then, you know, he's a connection of ours, the colonel's niece, Mary Chiley. Yes, I know, said Miss Berry. Poor thing, she looks suffering the last time I saw her. I hope she has found a true consolation to support her, now she has entered into the troubles of life. Well, yes, I hope so, said Mrs. Chiley, a little doubtfully. But you know one does not feel the troubles of life very severely at her age, and I don't think I should have called a baby a trouble when I was like her. I never had any, you know, and I used to fret over it a great deal. But the colonel never liked the noise of children, and I suppose it is all for the best. One may always be sure of that, said Miss Perry in her instructive way. I suppose the archdeacon is going soon, she added. He has been here a long time now. I almost wonder he likes to be so long absent from his parish. Two months, is it not? Oh, no, not quite six weeks, said Mrs. Chiley briskly. I hope he may be persuaded to stay some time longer. I look upon it as quite a compliment to Carlingford, for to be sure he would not stay if he had not some attraction, said the imprudent woman. And this was precisely what Miss Berry wanted, as any one of acute perceptions might have seen from the first. It must be a great responsibility for you, said the rector's sister, with a sigh, pressing Mrs. Chiley's hand. If it should turn out badly, you know. Of course, my brother and I don't agree with Mr. Beverley on all points, though I am sure I hope he is quite conscientious, but I do feel for you with such a responsibility said miss berry with a look that made the old lady nervous in spite of herself thus notwithstanding all her sense of the duties of hospitality and her anxiety about lucilla's interests she could not but feel that it would be rather a relief to get so formidable a guest fairly out of the house it is uncomfortable it must be allowed to entertain in your house anybody particularly a clergyman of whom your rector does not approve and there could be no doubt that the archdeacon was not like the clergyman that mrs chiley had been accustomed to and he could come back another time she said to herself by way of conciliating her own weariness with her visitor's advantage and the interests of lucilla but notwithstanding these reflections on mrs chiley's part and notwithstanding the colonel's less amiable growl uttered every morning does that parson of yours never mean to go away the archdeacon showed no intention of budging it was poor mrs chiley who had all the brunt to bear to exhaust herself in civilities and to be upbraided with that parson of yours whereas he was not in the least her parson nor even the kind of man she approved of as a clergyman all this, however, the brave old woman bore with fortitude for Lucilla's sake. Certainly it must be Lucilla who kept him in Carlingford, if it were not something else. Things were in this condition, Mr. Cavendish having again disappeared into utter darkness, and Carlingford beginning to enter warmly into the question whether or not Mr. Beverley was paying attention to Lucilla, when it happened to miss marchbanks one morning to meet the archdeacon in little lane running between grove street and grange lane opening from this lane was a little door in the wall 
which admitted to a little garden very bright with flowers of the simplest old-fashioned kinds with a little house planted at its extremity which had pretensions to be an old-fashioned and quasi-rural cottage on the score of being very rickety uncomfortable and badly arranged but it must be a very impracticable erection indeed which does not look tolerable under the bright sunshine on a summer noon at the end of a pretty garden where children are playing and birds singing and a woman or two about lucilla was standing at the door of this little closed-up hermitage almost filling up the opening with her crisp summer draperies and affording only a very partial and tempting glimpse of its flowers and shrubs and whitewashed walls inside and when mr beverley came up to miss marchbanks he felt his curiosity excited is it armida's garden or the elysian fields said the archdeacon and he made a dead stop before the door not knowing any more than any other blind mortal what he was going to find inside i don't know anything about armida said miss marchbanks unfortunately they were all cambridge in their ways of thinking at mount pleasant and our classics got dreadfully neglected but you may come in if you like at least i think you may come in if you will promise not to frighten the children i am sure they never saw an archdeacon in their lives are there children said mr beverley with a doubtful air for to tell the truth he had come to the age at which men think it best to avoid children unless indeed they happen to have a personal interest in them and he stretched his neck a little to see in over miss marchbanks's head there are a whole lot of children and a pretty governess said lucilla it is a school and i am so much interested in it i may call it my school for that matter i came to know her in the funniest way but i will tell you that another time and it was just my luck as usual she is so nice and quite a lady if you will not say you are an archdeacon to frighten the children i will let you come in you shall call me whatever you like said mr beverley when i am with the lady patroness what does it matter what i call myself let me see how you manage your educational department i have already bowed before your genius in the other branches of government but this ought to be more in my own way i don't think you care for visiting schools said lucilla i know you think it's a bore but she is so nice and so nice-looking i am sure you will be pleased with her i am quite sure she is a lady and has seen better days oh those dreadful women that have seen better days said the archdeacon i think mrs chiley has a regiment of them it is hard to know how to get one's self into sympathy with those faded existences they fill me with an infinite pity but then what can one do if one tries to recall them to the past it sounds like mockery and if one speaks of the present it wounds their feelings it is a great social difficulty said mr beverley and he fixed his eyes on the ground and entered meditatively without looking where he was going in his broad church way dear mrs chiley is so kind said lucilla who was a little puzzled for the moment and did not know what to say mrs chiley is a good pure gentle woman said the archdeacon in a tone which settled the question and from which there was no appeal and no doubt it was a perfectly true though not a very distinct characterization thus they went in together into the bright little garden thinking of nothing particular and loitering as people do who do not know what is coming 
there was something that morning in mr beverley's tone and manner which struck lucilla as something more than usual she was not a young woman to attach undue importance to looks and tones but the archdeacon's manner was so softened and mellowed and his eyes had so much expression in them and he looked at lucilla with such marked regard that it was impossible for her not to recognize that a crisis might be approaching to be sure it was not by any means so near as that crisis manquet which she had so lately passed over her head in respect to mr cavendish but still miss marchbanks could not but remark the signs of a slowly approaching and most likely more important climax and as she remarked it lucilla naturally by anticipation prepared herself for the coming event that thus threw a shadow upon her she did not make up her mind to accept mr beverley any more than she had made up her mind to accept mr cavendish but she thought it only her duty to him and to herself and to society in general to take his claims into full consideration and no doubt if these claims had seemed to her sufficiently strong to merit such a reward miss marchbanks had it in her to marry the archdeacon and make him an admirable wife though she was not at the present moment so far as she was aware absolutely what foolish people call in love with him at the same time as was only natural she made herself all the more agreeable to mr beverley from her sense of the dawn of tenderness with which he regarded her and in this way they went up the broad central path which traversed the little garden neither looking to the left nor the right but presenting all that appearance of being occupied with each other which especially to a female observer is so easy of interpretation for to be sure the archdeacon had not the remotest idea into whose house he was going nor who it was whom he was about to see but as it happened lucilla's protege who had seen better days had just then finished one of her lessons and sent her little pupils out into the garden she was preparing for the next little class when raising her eyes accidentally she saw miss marchbanks coming through the garden with the archdeacon by her side she was the same person whom mr berry had brought to lucilla with the idea of recommending her to dr marchbanks as a companion and chaperon for his daughter but since then mrs mortimer's appearance had considerably changed she had grown younger by ten years during the period of comparative comfort and tranquillity which lucilla's active help and championship had procured for her her house and her garden and her little scholars and a bloom on her cheeks and the filling up of her worn frame were all miss marchbanks doing in the intervals of her legislative cares lucilla had run about all over carlingford searching for pupils and at the same moment had cut and stitched and arranged and papered walls and planted flower-beds for the feeble creature thus thrown upon her this was a side of lucilla's character which certainly she did nothing to hide from the public but which at the same time she never made any fuss about and it was an endless pleasure to her to find a protege so perfectly content to be done for and do as she was told to do it was thus that the poor faded widow who was sensitive and had feelings and forgot herself so far as to faint or nearly to faint just at the most unlucky moment possible when the rector's character and dignity demanded superior self-control on her part had found her youth again and her good looks under lucilla's shadow 
when she looked up and saw the two approaching mrs mortimer's first impulse was to smile at the conjunction but the next moment she had dropped the books out of her hands and was standing gazing out like a woman in a dream with the colour all gone out of her cheeks and even out of her lips in the surprise of the moment it was only surprise and a kind of dismay it was not terror like that which mr cavendish had exhibited at the same apparition she dropped into her chair without knowing it and probably would have fainted this time also if something more urgent than mere feelings had not roused her up as it was it happened very happily for her that she had thus a little preparation when she saw that her patroness was leading mr beverley up to the door and that in a minute more he would inevitably be brought to her very side mrs mortimer roused up all her strength she gathered up her books in her hand without knowing very well what she was doing and taking virtue from necessity went desperately out to meet them it was miss marchbanks who first saw her white and tottering leaning against the trellis of the little porch and lucilla could not but give a little cry of alarm and wonder what kind of man could this be who thus struck down another victim without even so much as a glance it was just then that the archdeacon raised his eyes and saw standing before him among the faded roses the woman whom he had been approaching so indifferently the faded existence that had seen better days he saw her and he stood stock still as if it was she who was the basilisk and the look of pleased interest went out of his face in a moment in that moment he had become as unconscious of the presence of lucilla as if he had never in his life softened his voice to her ear or talked nonsense to please her his eyes did not seem big enough to take in the figure which stood shrinking and looking at him in the porch then he made one long step forward and took hold of her sleeve not her hand as if to convince himself that it was something real he saw he showed no joy nor satisfaction nor anything but sheer amaze and wonder at this unexpected appearance for he had not had time to prepare himself as she had am i dreaming or is it you he said in a voice that sounded as different from the voice with which he had been speaking to lucilla as if years had elapsed between the two and it would be vain to describe the amazement and singular sense that the earth had suddenly given way under her feet with which miss marchbanks stood by and looked on end of chapter twenty three recording by maricel Cui.